The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we work our fingers to the bone to bring you the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today we have a very special pre-recorded show for you, pre-recorded both because I am currently out of town, even if even as you are listening to this, and also because we thought it was kind of important to get today's guest in front of all of you all, both because he is one of the 15 featured speakers at the 2023 National Real Estate Investing Summit that you all have heard so much about coming up on November 2nd through 5th here in the greater Cincinnati area, and because he's just a busy guy. It's like... (laughs) It's hard to nail nail Al down to like, oh no, it's got to be at five o'clock because it's a live radio show. So we got the best of both worlds here. Y'all can <laughs> sit down, you can relax, and you can hear about a strategy that I'm guessing that even those of you who have been around for a while are not super familiar with. Uh, joining us from his home in Sacramento is Mr. Al Williamson. Al, welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Hey, thank you. I am so happy to be here and chatting with you. Yes, and I'm I'm glad we found a time because me too. When I when I first talked to you, which I guess has been gosh four or five years ago now, and uh, you told me what you did, I think I think I think you got a thirty minute interview <laughs> right there <laughs> and then. Yeah. Um, no radio show, <laughs> just an interview because. Uh, it was so interesting that you've kind of taken you've kind of taken a strategy a lot of people do know about and turned it just a little bit because uh, as we all know there's riches in niches and uh, you have found yourself one so before we jump into that um, let's let's talk about your real estate investing journey because uh, it has been a fairly lengthy one uh, yeah starting in starting back in 1996. Yeah. Uh, what was it that made you decide to get in get started in real estate? It was it was a it was James Williams at a church picnic, just before I got married. He he pulled me to the side, and he told me about his duplex portfolio, and he was just recommending to me that that uh, we didn't buy a house that we would buy a duplex first and then. Then I, you know, move my move my wife into a duplex. That's what he was recommending, as that we would start that way. And no one had ever talked to me about real estate before, so mm-hmm. that was pretty. That was pretty cool that he 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 
he pulled me aside. And, um, yeah, he pulled you aside. And he said, "House hack." Only that word hadn't really been that's qu right. quite invented yet. Um, that's right. Because because you know ev everything new is is old actually. So, <laughs> so d did you take his advice? I did. I yeah. I um I pushed my bride into one of the smaller um, apartments in a threeplex that we found. In, uh, in the great part of, it was an emerging part of Sacramento, California. And we, we, uh, just kind of learned, learned why we were, uh, about being a landlord and, you know, not running your mouth too much and not being too nice and firm and fair, all those things that landlords have to learn. We learned that in our first one. And, um, it worked. We stayed there for about five years until she could stand it anymore. And then we, um, we just moved out and rented our spot, and I got her a house. Mm -hmm. So there's a there's a happy ending there, Vina. <laughs> well, and apparently it whet your appetite. Yes, it did. It did. Here. She was okay. The the the, the threeplex quadrupled in value. Oh. So, so she was. It was her idea all along. So. Ah yes. Once it <laughs> once it succeeded, she was all in. Years later, she's all in. Yes. So yes. so where did you go from there? Where did you so you had the three flex you lived in, and then what? Right. So so we bought a house, and then well, it was that three flex was in an emerging uh, area that was had some neighbor some um, community right revitalization money put in, into it to kind of revitalize that area, and um, it it obviously it worked. So we said, let's do this again. Let's do this with an eight unit building in a um, troubled part of town. So that's where we ended up buying this um, eight-unit building. They had a lot of gang issues uh, on it. And um, the term wasn't invented at the time, but I did cash for keys <laughs> to get everyone out. Uh -huh. And that was, that was just $500 so that they had a security deposit so that they can actually move. If you're broke, you just can't. There's just... No way, even if you're evicted, you just can't move because you can't put together the security deposit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so that's what happened. And I still own that property. So that's, um, that's been over some years. That's been 2002. Mm -hmm. I found that apartment building. So it's a long time. And it's, um, yeah, same thing is, it's done really, really well over the, the 20, 20 some years we've had it. Yeah, if you buy a piece of real estate and hold it long enough, you just always look brilliant. Yes, you look brilliant. It doesn't, yes. even, it doesn't even matter if you bought it wrong. <laughs> it's, 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 you, you look like a genius for just having, yes, you do. having held on and managed it all that time. And then when did your attention turn to this uh, latest venture that you're in? So it turned um, in 2015. So the latest venture is um, the, the midterm rental strategy of... of um, Airbnb and, and furnished rentals. So, so that's what it is. And that happened in 2015. Uh, at the time I was experimenting with Airbnb, which I was, um, I started with using them in 2011 in San Francisco when I was working there. But I didn't, but it was too much, too bed and breakfasty at the time. There's the host was always checking on you and cookies left for you and conversations and, it, it was that type of thing. But in 2015, they came up with a special category called business travel ready. And they, they said, Hey, if you don't live there, if you're not sharing any spaces, we will send business travelers to you. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that that sounds like is this queued up for landlords. That this is great. So so that's what that's when I was all in at that point. I didn't have to turn down anyone's bed, leave mints or anything like that. Uh, you know, croissants weren't expected of me, and all those things. So. Mm-hmm. So, so I was all in. So when it stopped looking like a service business and started looking like a rental that people were going to just kind of be independent over there, <laughs> it got interesting yes. to you. Okay. Yes. Yes, it did. Yeah. So so I was um, experimenting with it, um, and it, it was just taking up too much of my time. <laughs> I would get home, long commute, get home, and I had to go over there and um, make sure the cleaner had everything done and make sure it was movement ready and all those types of things. And it was happening several times during the month. And and um, it was wearing on my wife. My kids didn't like me coming home and, and tagging them and running back out. They didn't like that at all. So so that's when I said, um, let me keep tweaking it. And, and I, that's how I found a longer-term stay, a month-long stay, and and. And that's what did it for me. The month-long stay, I ran the numbers for, and I was looking at the net income, and I ran my numbers for doing my short, shortest short. I call it short shorts, Vina. Doing less than 30 days stays, and I also added. I said, well, I need to pay myself at least what a handyman gets for my time. So, so I looked at them both, and I saw that the net incomes were nearly the same. The net. The net incomes doing short shorts, you know, doing three, it was three turnovers in one month, was the same net income as I was getting for a, a one-month stay without all the activities and the... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, send, sending me to marriage counseling and all that stuff. All right, so when we when we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about this niche that Al Williamson has found for himself and uh, how how that might work for y'all. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. You've tuned in on a special pre-recorded version of Real Life Real Estate Investing, where I'm talking to Al Williamson, who is a uh, longtime real estate investor, actually was shocked when he did the math right before the show (laughs) about how long time. He's been a real estate investor uh, who has got, come to specialize in a very specific uh, niche in, within the furnished rental market, and it is furnished rentals, kind of like an Airbnb, only not short-term, more like medium-term, 30-plus days, and for a specific kind of traveler, specifically the business traveler. And uh, I've been doing that since uh, sometime post-2015. You said you first started experimenting with Airbnb in 2015. About what time did you start doing these more midterm rentals, Al? That was it, that same year when I came to the conclusion. (laughs) It didn't take you long. (laughs) No. When I came to the conclusion that I was making the same net income and as, as, at that time, it's like, that's all I'm going to do. Uh, and then since then, I've narrowed it down to, I, I really prefer my preferences. Um, employers, employees are being paid to travel for an exper- extended period of time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my tight niche. Mm-hmm. Those guys, um, 
I can line up with their self-interest. They want to have a savings because they're being paid tax-free money for their housing per diem. So if I can save them money, they're really relaxed. And if it's not coming out of their pocket, this is a good combination, good headspace that they're in. And they appreciate what I'm doing. And I appreciate them. It's just a big love fest that way. Well, let's talk about your typical traveler because, of course, our listeners are mostly entrepreneurs or people who are, you know, they have their own company. So nobody pays for them to go. If they're going to go stay someplace, it's on their dime. So, like, what kinds of people find themselves being asked to go someplace else for 30-plus days at a time? Well, the essential worker is now everyone knows about it post-COVID. The essential workers, IT professionals, especially those guys who, anytime you see a target being tipped up, you know, concrete walls going up, they need an IT professional in there for about two months to get everything lined up and set up. And then, of course, your traveling health care professionals are there and can't live without them. I myself was a civil engineer and overseeing bridge construction. I was considered an essential worker. So I lived that life. So project managers, engineers, absolutely. Construction workers, they're out there. Sometimes they're put two in a hotel room and they all have housing allowances, but they would prefer to be in their own rooms if you had a two-bedroom or a three-bedroom, if you can house a crew of folks. And specifically, you see a lot of fiber optic crews moving about. So that's a really specific, specific niche of a crew of five if you have a larger space that need it. So those types of folks, as well as people being relocated for their jobs. And so those are the people that are being paid to travel. That's that bucket that I like. There's also the folks who have to travel because they got displaced because of a flood or a fire. So those are the insurance-based. Those is very lucrative. It's just not my jam because when you're paid by, you're getting paid by an insurance company, the person staying there is really the boss. And the insurance company works for them. And there's just not that level of accountability that I like. Okay. Yeah. And I think sometimes when people are, maybe they're in the short-term rental business, want to be in the short-term rental business, and other people say mid-term rental, they have a hard time picturing who goes someplace and stays for 30 days or 60 days or 90 days. But, I mean, you just scratched the surface there. I mean, you know, Cincinnati actually has five Fortune 500 companies based here, I believe. And it's apparently fairly common that they will, it's world headquarters here, right? So it's apparently fairly common that the companies will actually bring somebody here for a month, two months, three months for training. Like literally they're just here learning how to do it so that they can go back to sometimes Brazil or Japan and take over a division there. And those folks tend to like to bring their families with them. 
Like a hotel, yes. hotel is not going to work. It's, it's just, not going to work. Right. It's, it's just, just, just not a thing. And, you know, I've had midterm renters who were everything from um, literally yoga instructors who had a, a month long, um, like almost an internship <laughs> with like, like they were famous yoga instructors and they had a, a month where some large yoga, whatever was, was bringing them into train. Um, I've had professional athletes. Well, I mean, they were, some of them were Cincinnati Reds, so <laughs> that counts. We can we can That's... we can have the usual argument that I have with out of towners over whether the Reds are a professional team or not. But okay. there's actually <laughs> there's there's actually a, a, a humongous amount of a, a humongous number of people who are just sort of temporarily or sometimes semi permanently on the road. Yes, the rise of the digital nomads is is change flavor. They're also seniors and um, retirees consulting and traveling at the same time. There's, there's a rise of those folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let, let's talk about um, what what kinds of properties you like for these things, because it's, you know, clearly you don't care if there's a beach or a ski resort or any of the right. usual things that folks who are fascinated with the idea of Airbnbs, because it's not a vacation rental. So, That's right. so, so, like, what what kinds of properties are we talking about? Houses, condos, single families. What what what's your favorite type of property to do this with? So I have all of those, and um, the the easiest ones to fill are the smaller ones. I just got back from a conference where um, they were sharing some data. Um, there's a group called Furnish Finders. This is a company that most healthcare professionals go through and getting placed nursing agencies use. And they're showing their data and they were showing that you know, one bedrooms are about the, the demand and the supply is about balanced for a one bed, one bath. Mm-hmm. Same thing with a two bed, one bath. There's a little bit more inventory nationwide. But for studios, they show that there's uh, three times the demand for a studio than supply. And um, the larger homes they felt that right now they're oversupplied, but there's, they see a, a, a bigger demand um, for them growing. It's like a quick, quickly growing um, group with three, three and more rooms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in theory, you could have a small multifamily that was like all the tenants were these 30-day furnished tenants. You could have, yes. you have a little apartment building where that was the case. You, you could. I, I I hear that quite a bit, and you know I have um, five out of, out of my eight in my aplex. It's great to have a, at least a few uh, permanent folks there. That um, I always give them a little subsidy so that they're happy, but that they can keep everything, keep the tempo, keep the culture. Um, report back to you mm-hmm. and also answer the questions when people's cars get, um, you know, they need a, a tire repair, just, you know, where's a good place. Mm-hmm. So it's great to have like a, a permanent folks there. So, so. Mm-hmm. and it's nice that you can keep the permanent folks rent a little lower because that's a, that's a struggle for a lot of renters is the, the way in which rents have gone up uh, recently. And, uh, uh, I actually have a friend who I believe heard you when you spoke at the national summit a few years back and decided to make a couple of the units in her four family into the shorter term rentals so that she could keep the rents for the two permanent tenants 
at a lower rate. Oh, excellent. Which I thought was very cool. Uh, so we need to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some important stuff about these midterm rentals, like, I don't know, where and um, what, what, what kind of financing might be out, available out there for them. Uh, unfortunately, can't ask any questions of Al today, although you can certainly send them to asbina at gmail.com, and I will forward them to, to him if you uh, have any questions that we don't get answered. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Al Williamson, who has developed a little niche for himself within the kind of within the short-term furnished rental business, which is not so short-term <laughs> furnished <laughs> rentals. It's uh, longer terms, which for you USTR owners, you know that, gosh, half of your money goes away from... Uh, uh, turnovers, cleaning. Cleaning is a huge problem with uh, short-term rentals, finding and keeping a, a really good cleaning staff that can be there sometimes twice a week, <laughs> almost oh, always wow. once a week in a, in a short-term <laughs> rental. And uh, he, sort of, he sort of split the difference here by saying, yeah, I'll take a little less on my short-term rental by making it 30 days minimum. Uh, but I'm actually going to make the same or more because I don't have to hassle with it as much because people aren't moving in and moving out every single Sunday. Um, now, Al, the, the comparison that people always like to make is, <clears throat> so let's say I already have a rental. Okay. And I'm thinking this might be good for what Al's doing. And I know this is going to vary by the location and whatnot, which we're going to come to in a second. But roughly how much more are you finding that you are netting? From you know that, a unit that's a, that's a medium-term rental. That's an excellent um, way you phrased that. That's really important because you can you can always count on. I said always. I know I know I shouldn't have said that, but you pretty much can count on three times your net income, tripling your net income. But it, it can get into five times your net income mm -hmm. per month. Mm -hmm. um, so but definitely three times your net income mm -hmm. if you do a decent job marketing and keeping it built. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, you're, you're, I think, a, a big believer that in, in most parts of the country, this there's a demand for this. It would yes. work. But at yes. the same time, you're a little bit picky <laughs> about where you want the property to be to meet the demand can you can you talk a little right. bit like like where would i choose to buy one of these if i didn't already have one so so i have this this whole waterfall um, thing that i talk about where the i i look at the what the extended stay hotels are doing because um, first if you have them in your area then you can use them as the canary to see how how things are going how they price themselves, what kind of furnishings they have, and and who's in the parking lot that that you can actually see, and then and then from there you can um, strategize on how you can uh, offer something better than what they offer, which is really easy. <laughs> it's just having a washing machine and, and a little more space, and 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 see if your numbers can work. If you can you can price things basically right off of. What your local extended stay hotels are doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if there's a there's a big enough uh, imbalance between what they're doing and what your what a what you would get for rents as a normal landlord. 
then it's a, like definitely it's a definitely go signal. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 you know you're making me think about something, which is all the cities that in an attempt to ban Airbnbs without banning Airbnbs, they've set up these requirements that short-term rental is anything under 30 days. Right. I live in an area like that. In fact, I live in a house that I had originally intended to be a short-term rental, and then I found out that the township uh, doesn't allow short-term rentals. And I'm going, you know, they just opened a new extended stay up the street from me. I can rent for more than 30 days at a time. I need to go see what that extended stay is charging because if I decide to move out of here, I actually could implement your strategy instead of just yeah. selling this house I like and, um, you know, taking a, taking a, taking a loss. Well, no, it would be <laughs> the reason I moved into it was it was such a good deal that okay. if I live here for two years and then sell it, I can sell oh, it nice. without paying the capital gains taxes. But, nice. but I, I just have this feeling there were, there were basically no hotels within, I don't know, a, a couple of miles in any direction here. And one just opened and they do market research, right? They know a lot. They know yeah. that there's demand. So, and there's a big hospital up the street. You, you got my juices going here. There you go. <laughs> I'm, there like, you go. I'm like excited about maybe turning this property into a, <laughs> into a medium term rental now. So, you like to you like to look for places where there are extended stay hotels and where those hotels are doing well and able to yes. uh, charge a reasonable amount. Yes, and and they publish what they're doing right there on the internet. They publish their best rates, and um, you can use those for a quick back of the envelope and and come up with a go no go. I I recommend driving the parking lot as well, and then. Um, that, that research they do is fifty to a hundred thousand dollars worth of research by people who do it all the time and have the models and the, the, the they know the plans and the growth plans and the, the politics and everything. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So it, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit different than choosing a a regular short term rental where you probably what you're doing is re, is research on other short term rentals. In right. the area, you're you're looking at your actual competition, the place where your customers would be staying if they weren't staying with you, and that's, that's right. going to be an extended stay type uh, facility, like hotel or uh, you know, there's a, every brand now has one of those. Every hotel brand now yes, has every hotel brands. They're they're the professionals. They they're the ones who know what they're doing. So they're the ones to watch. Uh huh. Uh huh. So. Do you uh, do you actually buy your midterm rentals in California, or do you prefer? Is there some other part of the country that you like better? Oh, I like keeping it close to home. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the, the ones that we we just um, bought a mixed use building and um, fixed it all up, and uh, it's just fully the four units that are that are on the upstairs are all midterm rentals. Mm -hmm. So. So it, it worked, and and the, having the extra uh, extra profit allowed us to, you know, do the financing. It was a vacant building, so uh, allow allowed us to uh, make everything work until we could refinance it. So it worked out. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. There's, I'm I'm assuming, you know, in Sacramento, like everywhere else, kind of a famously short 
inventory of properties on the market, are you able to pay more because you know that the property is going to generate more income? Or are you, are you kind of looking for the same deal you'd be looking for if you were going to just long-term rent it? Yeah, I'm always looking to make sure I have that safety net. Of, it's got to work with regular market rents. I, you know, I've, I've already lost a leg and an arm by, by not following that rule. Thank so. you. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> because when I when I when I poke my head into the um, the short term rental forums on you know different social media type sites, I see a lot of people talking about. Um, they were asking seven hundred, but I did my numbers and I could pay eight hundred, so I offered eight hundred. Of course, I got the deal because I could offer the I could offer the more money. And yeah. I just shake my head and I go, okay. And what if? Yeah, what if? <laughs> what if, what if it turns out that you don't have any demand or you don't have as much demand as you predicted? Because it's always prediction when you're when you're it has not been a uh, furnished rental before and you're turning it into one. Or what right. if that city suddenly changes its mind and decides that nope, we don't want any kind of short term rental and now what? It can't work as a long term rental and you can't sell it for more than you or even probably what you paid for it <laughs> within. Right any reasonable right. period of time. So that is a, that's a great rule to live by folks. Don't buy yeah. short-term stuff yeah. at a price that you wouldn't, wouldn't work as long-term stuff. What, one, one more, what if though, Vina is what if everyone gets the same idea and, and floods your market, you know, gold rush. Uh -huh. And you, you have to be able to uh, uh, park your property until everyone else flushes out and then come back up. Mm -hmm. And that's that's something that I'm actually hearing a lot of short-term rental owners uh, starting to worry about. Like, like yeah. you know, my, my area has become so competitive for these three-day, five-day, seven-day stays that all we can do to stay full is lower our rents. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily work when someone's only going to stay there five days to, to have like the best, you know, the, the nicest furnished, the whatever, because people are going to go right. for a price when they have a lot of different um, uh, options. So do, do you feel like there are parts of the country where the market is getting saturated for this kind of rental? Oh, absolutely. Like um, Indianapolis has been flooded for a long time. Anytime you get more than 10% of the number of uh, hotel rooms, that you start to get into a saturated uh, market mm. unless you're in a destination spot like Orlando or something like that. Okay. So, so that's the general rule. If you're going more than 10% of the, of the um, number of hotels, hotel room. Now you can, if you are in a flooded um, spot and hopefully prayerfully you haven't overpaid. So, so now you have options. Now, now you can do a, a long-term furnished rental if you haven't overpaid. Mm -hmm. And then you can also uh, fall into regular traditional landlording. Uh -huh. And, and, and um, so you can hibernate without losing, you just don't, don't lose money. You can, you have some hibernation options. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can always put that furniture in storage for a while. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Wonderful. Um, I want to I want to take another quick break because my other my, uh, my other questions get kind of intense and fast and furious and I want to give us a give us a time to wrap that <laughs> up uh, toward the end. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today, Al Williamson, is one of the 
15 or so wonderful featured speakers at the 2023 National Real Estate Investing Summit coming up on November 2nd through 5th here in the uh, Cincinnati area, just north of Cincinnati. And uh, you get more information about that coming up soon on WMKVFM.org, including a special deal for real life real estate listeners. Just mark it off your calendar though, guys. Toward the end last year, I was getting a lot of emails from people saying, oh man, I wish I could come, but I planned X, Y, or Z for that weekend. Just don't plan it X, Y, or Z for that weekend. It's an easy solution. That's right. <laughs> we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today to Al Williamson about his business in midterm rentals. 30 plus days, largely corporate travelers, um, furnished like any other business. Uh, short-term type rental only it's not short-term it's more medium-term maybe a max of 12 different tenants per year as opposed to the 36 48 <laughs> etc that many of us experience with uh short-term rentals and um Al, one of the one of the kind of i don't know practical things that that comes into my brain is are you are you able to keep people coming and going with not too much of a gap in between because i don't know i've had a couple of medium-term rental renters who a week out from the time they were supposed to leave said yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> said well extend. i've i've been extended i've been extended out here three weeks can i can i stay here and that 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 can be a a, a problem if you're trying to do back-to-back -back bookings right Right. So we we typically we have a 10 day countdown. We're touching base with them on that. And as, as you got to make a go, no go decision on that. We try to leave it open ended because we know a lot of our people, um, you know, just like in construction, just like a flip, it goes longer than expected. Right. <laughs> Schedule. So, yes. So we, <laughs> yes. And it, not their fault either. So we try to accommodate them. With, I mean, we're. we're we are a segment of the hospitality industry, so we try to accommodate them. The, the, the way to do that, and the solution to nearly every problem with midterm rentals or short-term rentals is having, having some chops to market, you know, having the ability to, to have more demand coming to you, more leads coming to you that want your place uh, all the time. So that gets you out of those things where you can extend or or um, if you find yourself, um, someone bails out on you because their contract got canceled, that you could quickly fill it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's all about really taking marketing seriously. So is this marketing beyond what you would just normally do on a on a platform? Absolutely, absolutely. That's on the platform. So that's the online world, which is great. Most people just live there, not, and I'm, I say thank you for that, <laughs> because the offline world is huge. <laughs> the offline direct marketing world is is huge, and and to enter that, I mean, it's word to, word of mouth. Uh, you you mentioned earlier uh, companies that that bring their folks to town. You know, having those relationships in place, huh. and and to be able to do that, you need a little bit of social proof, social media to go along with it. That um, that enables people to research you. So you got to have a little bit of social proof out there. And of course, if they find you, once they find you in the real world, which is three-dimensional, 
they they're going to uh, they're going to want to book with you, and you just don't want to send them to your Airbnb link. You don't want to send them and pay a commission after you found them. So you need your own website. You need your own um, real estate to make all this work. Wow, that is that is a really good tip right there for folks who are going to be in this particular business because. Yeah, I know people who somehow have inside connections with some of the companies here that uh, tend to move people in and train them for 30, 45, 60 days. And it just, it, it seems like they don't even bother with the platforms. <laughs> they just, right. they just have their, their, sometimes it's insurance companies. Sometimes we've got an in with an insurance company, which I know is not your favorite kind of, uh, tenant but um yeah they just they just go from one to the next without having to advertise they they they, right. they know they've got a move out coming on august 30th if it happens to be if it happens to extend to september 7th that's okay because they know they can have it filled up again on september 10th with one of these <laughs> right one of the leads right with one of these other folks so the other thing that i i think um folks always worry about with these niche strategies is have the financing, the mortgage companies caught up with the idea. There, there was a long time there where it was really hard to find financing for a short-term yeah. rental if you told the bank that what you were running was a short-term rental. They were like, we don't know what to do with that. Right. There, there are. When I was trying to refinance my mixed-use building, we were going through, um, going applying. We were, we're a little different case, but. There, there's at least 10 folks of different leads that I was getting and I was working my way through. There are a lot more options than when we first started in 2015. So uh, folks are catching on and um, they're, they're, because Airbnb and this type of um, furnished rental is not new anymore. Uh-huh. It, it was new in 2011. That's really where it, it hockey sticked, but it's not new anymore. And, uh, more products are coming um, just to get the piece of that pie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And are these mostly uh, DSCR type lenders? Because last time I checked with Fannie Mae, they still right. wanted to see a long-term lease before they would consider the income from an investment property as being like actual real income, no matter how many years you had, and no matter how many years right. you could prove your short-term rental income. Yeah, you know, you know, um, they, there are folks who do predictions, but it's a lot easier, even for us, if we had a year track record, we were able to get it done with a, based on a nine-month track record. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there, but those folks are going to be using, um, you know, tools like AirDNA.co mm-hmm. to see what your neighbors are doing, mm-hmm. getting comps those ways. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what you're coming up to. Those, those, there's different products that. Uh, can track and scrape data that helps people out now. That hasn't always been the case. So mm-hmm. now that that's better and, you know, the rise of, of artificial intelligence and there's all mixed into the underwriting process. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a new world. So, but uh, these are these are still, I assume, kind of uh, specialty loans that you have yes. to go out searching for that right lender. How, how do you go about finding those people? Well, it's pretty much as easy as a Google search right now. Huh. You know, there's there's people, I, when I'm at different conferences, especially midterm rental or short-term rental conferences, there's always a lender who who, who rips off five or more of these. Um, I just haven't been in the market for, so I don't have the, the names off the top of my head, but uh-huh. 
Mm-hmm. It's as easy as a Google search now. Okay. Okay. Well, it's, it's good good to know that that part of the industry is growing up. Because <laughs> it yes. took, took a little bit of time for the people with the money to catch up with the people with the properties on that one. So let's talk about the things that you wish people understood about this strategy before they dove into it with both feet. You've, you've got to be... You've got to be, I mean, you're like probably the best known midterm rental expert in our world these days. So I'm guessing you get the phone calls about, help me all. I can't, yeah, I, yes. I bought a property and now I can't X, Y, or Z. <laughs> is that your, is that your damsel in distress That's voice? That's my damsel in distress <laughs> voice. Help me Al. <laughs> I often get that help me because Airbnb kicked me off their platform and that's all I know how to do. Mm. I get, I get those and that just breaks my heart, Mm. especially people I've been talking to for years about not being overly reliant on Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And now that they're a public traded company, they just don't have time to have any risk exposure at all. So there's, there's really no second chances if you, if, if they think that you've uh, broken one of their terms of service. So so that's the first thing. Don't be overly reliant on Airbnb. Strive for super credibility. Try to have your own um, website and, and get uh, reviews on other platforms. Uh, have a Google listing and all those types of things. I'm going to talk about those things in November when I see you. I'm going to save all the good stuff for, for that. <laughs> You're going to save all the good stuff for November because we have three minutes left. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, like, what other really common mistakes do you see people making in this when they dive in without really having any education about it? Uh, The ones, so my my big one is also, um, they they don't tell their friends and family about what they're doing. They want to work, uh, but I recommend turn your friends and I'll give them commissions if they give you leads, you know, bring them into the, your sales sales team. That's a, that's a really important one to keep yourself afloat, um, especially in slow times. And the last one, as a traveler myself, the thing I want people to know is I, I really don't care about the restaurants that are closed to, to me. I want to know where the favorites are, where your favorites are, hmm. where do the locals go? That's otherwise our experiences as a traveler, um, it's, it's just so vanilla. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's three sandwich shops within a mile. I never go yeah, to them, mind. but <laughs> here they yeah, are. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, and actually, um, uh, I, I was sort of playing with one of the AI platforms the other day, and I discovered that you can actually make a really good little booklet <laughs> for your uh, for your short-term or medium-term rental, by simply asking it what the best restaurant, best rated restaurants are in the area, uh, it'll tell you how. You can put it in a dress. It'll tell you, make a little chart about how far it is from the property and how expensive it is. And you can do the same thing with like local things to do. Oh, right. Goodness. So yeah, it's that's right. not. Cause I, I could just hear all the Airbnb owners going, "Oh my god, yeah, I got to get to that." Yeah. <laughs> as a tra- as a traveler, I'm begging you to give us a little flavor. Go ahead and get to that. Well, Al, we are out of time. I do appreciate you uh, being here today for this uh, pre-recorded program. And I very much look forward to seeing what new things you are up to when you come to Cincinnati for the National Real Estate Strategy Summit 
in November. Again, listeners, you can get more information about that uh, simply by hanging on for a minute because it'll be up on WMKVFM.org really, really soon. In the meantime, just lock out those dates, November 2, 3, 4, and 5. Thank you, Al. You're welcome. Good talking with you. You too. You've been listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Mm -hmm.